All right, greetings, anecdoters. It's Aaron Siru from uh, SiruPhoto.com and, of course, with Anecdotal Podcast, coming at you with a humdinger of an episode this time. Uh, sorry for all the background noise. If you can hear that out my window, there are people trying to park, and, of course, you can't park in New York without people commenting on it. Anyway, uh, we got a really cool one for you this time. I hope you guys are really excited. We have Heather Marie Shaw and Elsa, who are a interracial lesbian couple here in New York City. Heather is an artist, uh, and then uh, Elsa is a comedian, and together they live in Bed-Stuy, and they just live in their lives. And basically, I asked them, how the hell is that working out for you? And uh, we talk about that. We talk about uh, being an artist. We talk about Black Lives Matter. We talk about trans lives. We talk about uh, being with someone who's white and and while you're in the Black Lives Movement and how that works. Um, We talk about the state of gayness in today's world. And uh, man, we just cover the whole gamut. And then we go into something a little bit lighter and we talk about uh, how they met. So we ended on a little sweet note. So don't want, can't, we, we didn't go all serious the entire time. You know me, right? So yeah, that's what we're doing today. All right. And then at the end of the episode, we, on, on Zero Photo, we had a giveaway, con, uh, not a contest, really, just really just a straight up giveaway. Basically, all you had to do was reblog a post I did about watercolors and you had entered into a chance to win a free watercolor. So at the end of the episode, we will um, see who won. We'll put our names in a hat, draw them out, and see who won a watercolor. So you want to stay tuned for that. And I'm thinking about doing like another giveaway soon, something kind of cool that I don't use anymore. Or maybe some more watercolors. I don't know. Anyway, enjoy the episode with Heather and Elsa. Um, I, and just thanks for listening. Enjoy. smart aerodynamic slipstream status of my body. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess I should start off with like, who are you? So I guess you're Heather and Elsa. (laughs) We are Heather and Elsa. AKA Helsa. Helsa is our couple name. Helsa? Is that your merged like brand? brand, What's it? Brand or celeb couple name. Also a private metal band that nobody ever gets to witness. Our secret metal band. Secret Helsa? That's badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it like, I don't know. I was trying to think of some good, I'm trying to remember some good metal music. I went through a metal phase. Back it's, in. Just, just start screaming and then you got it. All right, the best metal, here's my best metal story. And then I'll, it wasn't about me. When I was a music blogger, I got invited to go to Calgary to the music festival there. It's called something, some Sled Island Music Festival. And we're just going around from like band to band to band to venue, venue, venue. And we end up going to this library to see this like young little band. And we're like, oh, okay, whatever. I wonder what this is all about, you know? I don't know. And so we're sitting there waiting in the library. And these little teenagers walk up. And they're like, hi, oh, we're, we're so-and-so. And, you know, we're going to play a couple songs for you. And you're like, oh, little teenage boys. This is adorable. And they're going through a little puberty. And suddenly they're like, okay, like I was like, it was just like, oh my god, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> That's not my jam. 
I mean, it's, part of me thinks the metal is kind of meant for teenagers because it's a good outlet for the anger. I don't know. Kind of like Some people never I leave it. <laughs> or you never go there. Or you never go there. <laughs> you never go there. I touched on it back when I was always when I was a little kid. I always tried to like. I always had these sad attempts to kind of join in with the mainstream. And my friends were in the metal, so I tried that. And then my friends got into hip hop, so I tried that. You know, this is again. This is the '80s. It was a very different. We'd had the whole internet and all that jazz. But how long? All right. So enough about me, though. How long have you guys been in Brooklyn? How long? How long have you guys been doing your thing? Uh, I, I'm not new, exactly, yeah. to Brooklyn. I've had family here, uh, this is where my mother and my father met. Yeah. So, I've always been back and forth in between, uh, Virginia and, and New York. Oh, Virginia. Uh, yeah, Norfolk, Virginia, 757 Hampton Roads area. Uh, but... I've been here now officially as an adult, you know, living and working in New York since, uh, like, fall of 2013. All right. So, cool, cool. almost two years. All right, and then, how about you? I got here in spring of 2013, or beginning of summer. So, so, so same year, but just a few months before her. So, we're all a little bit of a newbie thing. We came in here, what, now? We're hitting three years this October. Okay. Work brought, up, brought me over, and then Meg's got a job doing her thing. All right, so here, here's the thing. You guys are, and if correct me, if, and, and if I say anything out of turn or wrong, please let me know. You are an interracial lesbian couple in New York City. You are an artist, right? Yep. You're a comedian, and all right. So how how is that going? Because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on nowadays. There's there's you know, I feel like gay acceptance is becoming kind of a thing now you know it's I don't want to say it's mainstream but it's definitely more mainstream has ever been you know people are like kind of accepting the fact that yep it's just, it's legit and it's a thing now yeah. we're all good you know there's still a lot more in the world to go with we got other letters in the alphabet to kind of work through but you know the L and the, and the G <laughs> have definitely got their moment <laughs> then there's the whole you know Black Lives Matter thing happening which is obviously very important which I know you're, you're definitely involved in so like how how is your life basically is my my big question like how's this how's it going <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot going on <laughs> in this it, world. It does present its unique challenges in the backdrop of today, uh, but you would find us surprisingly normal. <laughs> like that's fantastic. I mean, do you feel like like things have just gotten good about it? People are cool. I mean, you also live in Bed Stuy, I mean, which is facing a lot of gentrification, and it's got like the old meets new happening, and there's, there's a lot going on. That we faces on a regular day. I mean, for the most part, it hasn't been anything cruel. I mean, people react strangely to us. There's a lot of what the fucks. <laughs> a lot um, of looks. We, we, get, we garner a lot of looks holding hands in, in Bed-Stuy. Yeah. And I think initially when we were first meeting, just because of the activism backdrop, there was some negative reactions from community but like you know second and third tier community not like people that actually knew either of us yeah, intimately yeah. but some I mean, of I that response just yeah i feel like when people know people it's yeah they're they're no one's like at least, least not to your face the you can see the positive it's like oh no this person's awesome for you go at it have a great time well that's fantastic yeah so. i think a lot of people who don't know us what i've encountered a lot of is you know how can you be so black power and be dating a white woman 
Like, and I think that's you... the thing, you know. I think there's a lot of that. There's always been a lot of that, you know. You know, there's black men dating white women, and you know, whenever people cross over that 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 border, you know, a well, lot of and especially and both black sides. masculine and white feminine women, like there is a lot of tension there because of the particular racialized history of that. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Do you feel a lot of pressure because of that? I mean, you feel like is that a a problem? Do you feel like it, like, especially in being involved with the Black Lives you know, Matter movement? I mean, are you feeling like there's any kind of like tr- people think you're a traitor or whatever? Or that I don't know. People, yeah, people no, I've, I've, I've gotten that. I've gotten that. Maybe not those exact words. I don't but, know. Yeah, but I mean, uh, no, I've, that's I've, sentiment. not those exact words, but definitely that sentiment. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, when people, you know, there's, you know, you, how can you, uh, love you know love outside your race like that or or whatever where it's like for me uh there's not very many things in this world that are colorblind but love is absolutely that's that's definitely what is um i always tell everybody love the heart wants what the heart wants and it, and it, no matter you can't deny that the heart wants something you can like say no but like fuck you heart i'm not well, deny myself but. I, I, I i often flip it around to other people and i just say i wouldn't want anyone to not date me because i was black yeah very much so yeah um so i mean it's just for me it's kind of just that simple uh, this is this happens to be this is the woman who uh, who loves me and I love her and uh, her race comes not second third or fourth on the list that's <laughs> one of the I mean it does present itself its unique challenges I know it's we, not like a denying that I am white and there comes certain challenges with yeah. that and certain yeah. responsibilities for me as well like neither of one of us deny that piece of our relationship. But that's something I'm trying to like, and it's still the best I can with my daughter. For example, she's 16, my youngest one. You know, she lives here with us in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. She goes to high school, and I'm trying to like constantly remind her that you know she's got you know privilege. You know, she's got not just white privilege, but we also we we do okay. You know, we make decent money with our job and everything. It's like so we got we got it pretty good. You know, and you have to remember like you can't you, you the moment you start complaining and start bitching about oh and this and that, it's like your life is really good and you have like a, a lot of that privilege that a lot of people at your school aren't going to have and you have to like keep yourself grounded and always keep your like keep your shit together because you know i think some sometimes people forget that and it's hard to train people that you know i mean for you i mean you're same thing right you have like that you have it that the white privilege thing i mean how's that <laughs> i'm just hitting right in here bam look at this i'm taking the serious shit that's right. I, well, I think it's more important than just recognizing it, but it's what you do with it. Because, I mean, you can recognize where you are all day, mm-hmm. but it's like, how? what are you doing to leverage your privilege? You have it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do things that I cannot, and you can do them for yourself and be selfish or you can uh, leverage your privilege in a way that helps someone who is not like how how, this is something I need to know because I I feel pretty ignorant Um, and I do my best but I certainly am am not great Um, like what could not just me but also like what can I have Evie do what can I have my daughter do let me fix that later on I mean I I, Like, how I can like, I make her a better ally? How can I make sure that she grows up and doesn't, like, you know, that she was um, right? I mean, at least my personal experience was 
being proactive about educating myself on the full range of history and American history in particular because I am American and the racialized aspect of that. So understanding that experience and um, by starting with that, I was then able to interact with people of different backgrounds in a different way. And it does take a certain amount of strength to then put actions into your life mm -hmm. because you are giving up all of that privilege and that is a very scary thing and sometimes giving up that privilege also means giving up your community mm. um, but the things you can do are just finding ways to integrate that into your regular life particularly when you are interacting with other white people like not letting it be a side conversation not letting comments go unnoticed or unchallenged yeah. when people make them because they make them all the time they do and absolutely they make I mean it I was trained from a young age even in a very liberal environment to overlook those things and maybe we would talk shit about it later but you wouldn't challenge that person in that moment because it was no, not it's the scary. right social thing to do. Well, it's, it's scary. Like, it's let's scary. be honest. It's being confrontational in, in, with someone, whether it be a stranger or, or even maybe more so when someone you, you work with or you yeah, know. I think it's, it's you harder see when you know them because yeah. especially when you love them, you care about that relationship. You don't yeah. want to lose that relationship. But once you start learning about the impact of even those small statements, it at least for me, it became a point where like you can't let that slide anymore. Yeah, and I get that when way you start seeing like your own freedom wrapped up in the freedom of other people. Like this is not just a comment about those people over there. That's a comment about all of us and what we want to say about our own humanity. Yeah. So it's it's hard because you see. I mean, you hear a lot of that. Not just even not just race, of course, with everything. Like I was, if we talked about you know trans lives matters as well as a thing, and you know I hear it at work. You know, I work in fashion, and the fashion industry is very, it's progressive in one sense. It's progressive when it comes to, like, gay men, for sure. And then lesbians, yeah, you know, you know, not quite as much. And then you start getting the other letters, like, I always call them the other letters, but, you know, let's be honest, that's kind of how we're treating it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's down the line. You're like, then you start looking at the T word, and then you start hearing, like, you know, I don't even want to say it, but you know, the, the T word, you know, you'll hear like that as a thing. And then drag is still like a thing where drag is done in a way to kind of, and it's, it's still like, I, whenever their attitude is very like old school, it's it like, is, I want to call it first wave rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's very homonormative. And, like, yeah. I, I'm also, I don't know the words. I also are, am kind of involved in the fashion industry. So I know this type and it's, it's, it's it, frustrating to interact with people who, are part of your community who feel progressive they feel like they are progressive because they feel like they are like accepting but then it's like well actually there's this whole another like thing you're missing yeah <laughs> an there's infinite level thing you're missing here i think it feels really sad to me sometimes when people can't see how our various oppressions intersect and how we all of our voices have been marginalized in different ways and have been told that they're invalid and like that experience, it's not the same as people of color. It's not ex the same as trans voices. It's not yeah. the same, but it, there's intersection in how that power system has been used against us and I how we've been silenced. What's interesting is how a lot of people are, are, there's a backlash, there's always been a backlash, but there's definitely more backlash now just because it's become such a thing of political correctness and blah, blah, blah. And you hear people like being like, wow, blah, blah. they get really anti-political correctness. That's one of the things Trump and all those guys are really getting, they're really anti-political correctness as well. And someone brought up a really good point to me because I was like, yeah, you know, I, I wonder about it myself. Are we complaining too much? Is it is it people are complaining too much? Or why are we getting upset about everything? And someone brought up a great point to me, and it was that, you know, 
a lot, and I was, anecdotally, back in the 90s, it felt like we were doing pretty good as a society. I think I told you this once. Like, we, I felt like we were, like, making progress. We came out of the 80s. It seemed a little more progressive. We came into the 90s. We were all smart, wearing black, going to coffee shops. And, like, you know, we were pontificating on life and being really clever. And then, you know, obviously the era came along and you realize that, you know, stuff is really shitty out there still. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then you hear a lot of people on Tumblr and everybody just like, Rah. And someone brought up a great point. It's like, well, what the internet did it's not that people are, are more sensitive now it's that now these people have a place to, to say something they actually have mm -hmm. a place where they have a voice mm -hmm. and, and they it interact kinda, with everybody yeah too. and it's not that they didn't care before is that they they there was no outlet they had to sit I there and take I it i think there's a similar conversation going on especially in in comedy circles about what is and isn't funny. Yes. What jokes are on the table or off the table? When are you... People catch a lot of shit. When yeah. are you punching up? When are you punching down? What should we sh and shouldn't talk about? And <clears throat> my philosophy has always been all things are funny or nothing is funny. There's a way that we can talk about every single thing under yeah. the sun and be funny about it. You know, um, I'm... As aware as I am, or as sensitive, or uh, politically correct, or whatever it is you want to be, yeah. I'm the first to laugh at your racist joke. I'm the first to laugh at your Holocaust joke, your killing babies joke, or whatever the, the joke might be, if it's funny and what you're saying about it. And I think what a lot of people are getting hung up with, and especially in comedy, is the fact that, like you said, the, the internet is bringing all sorts of people out of the woodwork. So what we're ha what's happening right now in comedy circles especially is that your comedy show, not just the comedians, um, but the audience, is more diverse. So things that you might have been able to say and get away with when your audience was going to be this one set of people yeah. for years and years and years. And you, well, you let's know, be honest, mostly white people. Mostly white people. <laughs> Unless you're like at the Apollo Theater, then it's maybe get a black people. But there. even still, <laughs> because black comics catch the same thing because yeah. you've been playing to one sort of thing. And now that your audience can access you from all the way across the planet, you know what I'm saying? Now what you might have said, Chloe in your group is no longer acceptable. Yeah, there's a transparency now. But what's ha what's also happening, I think, is that there's a polarization of people who are ready to be offended. Outrage caught outrage makes money. Yeah. So no matter how uh, egregious or not someone's joke, comment, behavior is there's a group of people who are ready to be outraged now on the other side of the spectrum there's a there's another group of people who do not care if you're outraged and want you to be yeah there's people that are capitalizing and so that. yeah so just like we see in in the political spectrum where it's like the most radical of people on either side right or left are the ones getting the most airplay and there's a whole bunch of people who are in the middle who aren't being heard you got these people who are ready to be outraged and these people who are ready to outrage and then there's all these people in the middle like, what the fuck is the deal? <laughs> you know? So I think, like you said, the internet is bringing out all of these personalities and all of these different shades of the spectrum. It's just the loudest and the brightest is what's being heard. Yeah. For the most part, I don't think anything is offending people any more or less. I feel, you, you just hear a lot of voices. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of some of the recent examples. Like I know Schumer caught some shit recently. 
Um, who's another one that caught shit? There's there's two that like there was some recent like upwards. I can't remember what Schumer. See, every day there's an upward. That's why you can't remember. I know. It. Every <laughs> every day a comedian says something shitty. Every day a politician says something shitty. It's just we're blasted with you know we only see the best. And the worst articles, you know, we only yeah. see. You, you, that's how your Facebook is set up. I know it's all the it's, it's every, media. It's the most the most bloggable stuff. And I, I was watching this amazing TED talk, and I you know I don't always watch TED talks, but one came through and it caught my attention. And it's about the Internet of You, and basically all these websites, Google, Facebook, whatever, they've all gotten so good at like catering the Internet to and you. only showing you what you want to yeah, see, yeah, based on your clicks and what you've kind of paused so, on, all that shit. So you end up having this great internet that's really just like personalized and awesome but the problem is you don't see any of their shit mm -hmm. and so you some people Get end caught up in the echo chamber yeah, of your own voices. the rabbit hole of like your like swirl of poop and the best things sound best <laughs> and the worst things sound worse because it's just sounding louder and louder and louder which is which I, I've I've taken two approaches lately for certain people mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to erase you or delete you from my Facebook, from my timeline, from my social media, um, because every now and then you might have something good to say, and while it might differ from my opinion, I should at least hear it, depending on who you are. And then there's another side of the people where it's just like, get get away from me. Yeah. Because, I mean, we don't have to be exposed to everything. No, no. We, we it really gets exhausting don't. after a while. <laughs> Which is why you can't even remember what the last outrage was because we're in a perpetual state like of the, outrage. The Trump stuff, you know, this, or the Ann culture, what's her name, that crazy batshit well, yeah. blonde person. Trump is just drumming the loudest. When you look at the, the statistics, most people, as much as they don't or fear or say they fear immigrants, are in favor of a, of a pathway to citizenship. Yeah. As much as people are maybe uncomfortable with gay people or, or, or whatever, they're okay with gay marriage. They're okay with adoption. Yeah. You know, when you when you lay it out and lay out the 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 different things that could happen, most people lie in the gray area. Yeah. But it's those two loud polar opposites, and so it sounds like and it feels like we're having some sort of culture war. <laughs> but like for the most part, we're not. <laughs> we're really kind of not. Things are changing rapidly. Things are changing rapidly. We're on the S curve, and it's like doing this. We're on this swing here for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a lot. And I think some, for some people it's overwhelming. And I think the like the gay like the gay thing, if you will, I hate the word thing, but yeah, the gay thing happened really suddenly, just like out of the blue. The gay marriage thing went off. Things were happening really fast, and the states were switching over. And it was like, all right, yay gays. And then. And then the trans thing started happening, you and everybody's like, oh, okay, whoa, all right, well, all right. And then Caitlin is like, whoa, whoa, a lot's happening here. And I think a lot of people were just like, there's a fatigue, you know, a rainbow fatigue that's kind of out there a little bit. That, you know, I think there is, and I think we have fatigue, and it's like the nature of who we are now, which we're, we want two weeks of news cycle and something, and then we're ready to move on to the next thing. Ebola was around for two weeks, but then we solved it, of course, and moved on to the next thing, which was a lost airplane or something, which we solved that, and we moved on to the next thing, which is Trump. He's lingering around, but there will be a fatigue thing that happens. The speed of the news cycle And it, you know, it's because it's like the talking heads filmed the 24 hours of news were just like talking, talking. It's all like catered to hit certain emotional buttons. Oh, man. It's and then when the and they do it, they maximize the ratings. And then when it starts to wand just a little bit, they grab onto the next thing and go with it. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been conditioned to that, to where like things like K 
Caitlin and and uh, Laverne and it's like all right that's uh, that's enough. <laughs> well, I think there's certain things that but we, we can't need let to focus. Stop. There's certain things that we need to focus on. Absolutely. I, I just, I mean, we were. Uh, I was just out protesting the other night and my new thing now is when we're marching when we're protesting when we're out in the streets is um i do it also kind of in jest but also try to try to catch people off guard i'll stop and be like hey do you have a moment to talk about black lives (laughs) did did you know that black lives matter and 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 just to see what people will say there's only yes or no to that there's only (laughs) there's really only a yes or no answer but you'll be surprised with some of the things people say so dodge the head dodge the head dodge but the other day for a clipboard if they see a clipboard it's like head dodge but the, uh, the other day I got a guy who says, I says, uh, did you know that Black Lives Matter? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't get away from it. Oh. I says, well, why would you want to get away from it? He says, it's all over my timeline. It's all over my Facebook. That's all I hear about. And he says, you, you know, you think this oversaturation is diluting your message. And I says, well... That's kind of what we're talking about. Well, I says, well, here's the thing. The message, sir, is, is that black people are dying every day without cause unjustly. And don't you think that is something that we should talk about every day? I mean, talking about what Caitlyn Jenner is wearing today, talking, you know, talking about what Kim Kardashian is doing uh, today. Don't, that's, don't, me, don't have me go to that rabbit hole, please. <laughs> right, but that's oversaturation. That's not an yes. urgent issue. That's, and then that's where it becomes fatigue because in the middle of Caitlyn Jenner, in the middle of Kim Kardashian, in the and middle in of whatever celebrity believes. And amped up to trigger emotion which shouldn't really be emotional stories to begin with. Right. And what then you hit the real emotional is, stories. And it's just like, uh I've had enough. And yeah. the, the one thing, and this is going to, I don't know how to word this out sounding horrible, but it almost works in, uh, I, I, please forgive me, it, the, it works in the favor of Black Lives Matter, is that, is that there's been so many incidents and you know and, and from scaling from murder to to just you know just just bad things that are not weren't always murder some they're like like violation yeah of violation human violence or uh, tackling of the tennis guy you know it's like there's so it's like non-stop that you you can't it's not that, it, that should say something. There's a point where you're liking, it, like, it's one thing if it's one story that we're just hammering forever and ever. Like, uh, if, if, we so, if we're still talking just about Eric Garner, Eric Garner, I understand. Yeah, fatigue, I get it. But, you know, because, you know, humans are humans, whatever. But this is like, we have Sandra, we have Eric, we have this, we have the Tennessee. It's like every, every week. Every day there's the another, police are killing two people. It's a new name but, every time. So you can't, like, you can't get I mean, away I from was, it. I was surprised recently. Which works, I think, in the favor. Of, I had a conversation with somebody who um, thought that it had stopped happening because there wasn't any videos because the, the strong powerful videos weren't coming up on the feed so she thought uh, well, it's it's, it's kind of died down for a minute it's not so bad right now it's like like no. i mean i know it's a big thing still but There's it's not so one. bad because i like i haven't heard any big stories anymore it's because her feed's like, catered probably she probably well, hasn't seen anything no, i mean I, it, she was somebody who was pretty aware but um it was simply because there wasn't a video and i think that push stories into a bigger media frenzy yeah, and so true. even though they're happening every single day she wasn't seeing them in the same way on her timeline. I think the video is is good and bad. I think it's 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 good so that people see it. 
you know, but it's unfortunate that it takes video photographic evidence yeah. to prove something that mm-hmm. that black and brown people have been saying for decades, you know. Um, so if if you need a video, then there's not a there's not a shortage of them. Yeah, you know. Um, but there's not one for every case. But there's not going no. to be one for every case. So for every video that there. you have, there's literally hundreds of other people that mm-hmm. a don't have a video or don't have a case that's compelling enough to get the media attention yeah, yeah. you know because for every you know for, for it needs every to be even, yeah, yeah, every, yeah it needs to be something that we can put on tv for you to see for you to have an emotional response about and then we're going to move on to the next thing but i i think especially especially white people even white people who are for the movement or understand the importance you know maybe it takes something personal but the thing is that when your tax dollars are going to pay these cases out you know millions and millions of your tax dollars are going to pay these cases that don't make the news oh yeah millions and millions of your tax dollars are going to incarcerate yeah. people and so if i have to appeal to your pocket or understand that you know um a police force that goes unchecked by judicial consequences is dangerous to everybody the problem with the, the, the popular thing is that and I don't mean to be rude to Americans, but they're really stupid about that shit. Like, you know, they don't, they don't, the, it's the immediate money they understand, but they don't understand the other money part of it. Like, they don't understand that, like, by imprisoning people who are smoking pot, that it costs this much money every year, and then it actually comes into your property taxes, that when they bitch about their property taxes, when they get that bill, that actually, that's part of it, and if yeah. we had not done this other thing, this over here, that would be lower, because you wouldn't need to do that other bullshit. Well, that maybe, was what Heather was saying about the interconnectivity of everything. Mm-hmm. They like, don't understand, like, it's, and it's, it's, it's too all connected. It's too abstract. It becomes, once it gets built it's, later on it becomes an abstract made abstract well yeah i mean just like you were talking about the optimism in the 90s that was purposefully crafted to convince a large portion of americans that everything's life okay was now. great it felt so good and, though and, <laughs> and, all these diversity things and, and look at all this equality and shit and there were so many coffee houses it was so yeah. great my poetry was amazing guys <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> Sure was. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, our delusions are purposefully crafted. Like, let's not be absolutely. shy about that. Like, <laughs> but I also think, I mean, selfishly, selfishly, I also think that that hard times create the best comedy. Even you know, like oh, absolutely, that some of the best comics are usually <laughs> the darkest ones who are suffering from like. There's some that have depression, they and they build off that to make comedy. There's some that are, like hardships. There's, I think, the same best comedy artists. can come out of some of the most like <laughs> some of the darkest shit. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, like Louis C.K. is a good example where he's actually like, and uh, what's the other show? Bojack Horseman is that? Oh, I love, I love Bojack. It's dark <laughs> shit, right? It's dark, but it's funny you know, yeah. because it's like there's this. I mean, so much of and fine art at least, like so much of my work, like I show it to her and she's like, "That's really fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's got that like dark humory whatever. It's got element a, it, to it. Yeah, it walks that line. Like, I mean, balance. which is why I say like if you have a a comic or if you have somebody complaining about. Uh, comedy is too PC or audiences don't want to laugh because my joke was too racial or too controversial or too too sexist I think you're not trying hard enough because 
we all like to laugh at something we shouldn't or we all like to laugh at something controversial oh, or sure. taboo so if you're if you're if you have a racist joke and your audience didn't laugh at it that's because it wasn't it funny, wasn't funny. <laughs> and, and there's, there's simple as that and there's cheap jokes i think there's bad i mean there are different i mean there's you're right it's good and bad jokes you can make a racist joke that's like just a cheap joke that is Whatever. Yeah, and that most doesn't of the cheap do jokes are the ones that are perpetuating that same system, yeah. rather than or they're making feeding an into edgy that specific audience. On it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The ones that are smarter are the ones that are putting a commentary on it, but in a like clever, jabby way. I mean, it's almost like it's gonna be harder now, and this is for all of us, really. Like, as in the arts and comedy and anything that where you're building when you're creating the content, whatever that content is, be writing, art, drawing, painting, whatever. I, you know. We've had so much and so long, and there's so much out there that you you really have to step it up. You really have to be original and come up with some really interesting and insightful stuff. I think to be, you know, a good artist nowadays, you can't just like just bust out a Jew joke. You can't just bust out some crappy photograph and expect to be like the next great like whatever you know, next Helmut Newton because you bust right. out a photograph that's of a naked chick. You know what I'm saying? It's like you you got to like it's been done, so you got to like step it up. Well, I mean. While it's been done, we're like we're saying we're in this time of exponential growth. So while it's all been done, it all hasn't been done. We have new technology. You know, I I, I have a friend right now who has this show called uh, called Crowdsourced. Okay, Crowds- I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds very good. Crowdsourced comedy. He uh, what it is is it combines a cell phone app. And spontaneous improv comedy, where uh, where what happens is the uh, a photo goes up on a projector, the crowd and the audience votes on what they think is the funniest photo, and then the comic then has several minutes to riff on the photo. Now this is nothing <laughs> new. I've this this sort of suggestion it's based, clever, though. Like yeah, the suggestion it's based improv, comedy, yeah. improv comedy is something that's been done before. But the fact that he's incorporating a cell phone app, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Incorporating audience participation in a way that hasn't been done before, that's what makes it clever. So we have all these new tools available to us, but it's it's how are you gonna use it? So you can oh, have this racist what? joke, but how, what are you saying about it? You can have this worked premise, but what are you doing with yeah. this worked premise? It's gotta go a little bit deeper, I feel like. You can't just walk up there and like, boy, it's living from Chicago and my arms are tired. Yeah, no, don't Take do that. my wife, please. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> how about them Jews? They do this. And how about them blacks? They do that. Yeah, no. I don't think you can do that anymore, you know. <laughs> you, you can, but it's how you do it. That's you true. can. You can do all of those jokes. <laughs> you can do all of those jokes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're doing good. What do you guys think? Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> Japanese? Absolutely. Was man. that fucked up? You like being past PC standards. Do you okay, like so. do you like being a comedian? Like how'd you fall into that? Like Um Like at what point? I mean, because that stuff to me, that's one of the hardest crafts. I, I, you know, I, I think the same thing because you are naked on you're stage. You're a public you speaker, are, which is one thing. To support you, being a public speaker is one thing because you can have a, you can just different kinds, right? The serious, as well as that. Then on how about, then you have the job of trying to make people like laugh. You know, how what the why? What were you thinking? Why would you get into that? I I really f- seriously feel like my entire life has sort of uh, led me to stand up comedy. I mean, if you if you. I, 
go back anywhere in my childhood, I was talking to people, I was making people laugh, um, I was getting put out of high school classes because I'm <laughs> the class clown. I would have been named my high school um, class clown, high school superlative class clown um, had I not got suspended that year for, <laughs> for pretty much for, for goofing off. Um, all my best jobs have been sales jobs where I'm talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Everybody tells me I should be a salesperson. I'm like, uh, it. it takes a special kind of people. You have to want to deal with people, and you have to have a certain. I love dealing with people. I love working with people. You know, like I meet people all the time, and especially my my craft. But I don't want to do it for my living. You know, that's, that's, right. the, that's the difference. Like I can make art all day long and meet a thousand people. I about really, it. I really started doing comedy on a, actually on a dare. I was. Oh. Um, I'm getting more comfortable with with telling this story, but okay. I was. Uh, I was in a really big slump in in life. Uh, this, I started doing comedy in uh, 2012. Okay. Um, and I had a really rough 2011. I had a really rough 2012. Um, I was in a lot of legal trouble. Uh, I was I was on I was on probation on the, on the verge of getting locked up. Uh, I was I went through a re two really bad breakups back to back. Uh, I was on the verge of losing my job. Uh, I was literally the, the the day I started doing comedy. I was on the verge of suicide. Um, and while I was going through these uh, these drug programs, these alcohol programs, I had a, a drug counselor who, for the most part, was full of shit. Um, <laughs> But she was able to drop a couple of gems on me, and she was like, you know, you've quit drinking. I had quit drinking for a while. I quit drinking. I quit smoking weed. Pretty much under the threat of going to jail. Yeah. And you know, she's like, you've you've got like a month or two of sobriety under your belt, and you're not your your mood has not improved. You know, and she says, what you're doing right now is you're being a dry drunk. Um, oh, interesting. You're not drinking. You're not drugging. But uh, you're still... All the negative shit is still there. <laughs> all the negative shit is still there, and you haven't broke out of these negative patterns. She says, there's got to be something you want to do with your life. There's got to be something you want to try or something yeah. like that. And my entire life, I've always been, you know, in, in high school and in the years following high school, it's like, you should do comedy. You should be comedy. Like, are you a stand-up comic? You're so funny. Yeah, people tell you that, but, you know, sometimes... Right, exactly. That's a big difference between being funny in front of friends it's, and standing up and having And that's exactly what I tell bits. people. There's bits. humorous people, there's funny people, and then you there's have have comedians. Bits. Yeah, comedians have bits. And you so know? I always... I could be funny on a whim at work all day long. Exactly. And laugh because your I friends should. have yeah. history. Yeah, yeah, I can you know? do shit. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I was always thinking. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm funny in school. I'm yeah. funny with my friends. You know, I'm not I'm not that funny. You'd, and have, you'd have bits that you would like just bust out with your friends and. Well, here's the thing. That entire I didn't know. I didn't even know I was preparing for this. But the <laughs> earlier part of 2012, I had got myself a little notebook in my in my attempts to try to stop drinking. And I says, I'm gonna write down anytime I have a a, a bad thought, anytime I have a funny thought, right. anytime I have a, a poignant thought that. I, I want to just chew on longer. So I had like I had got myself a little pocket notebook and wrote down funny things, sad things, and I was just writing things down That's in brilliant. this notebook. And then I had asked my mom, hey, for my birthday, get me a joke writing notebook. I don't know. And I got a little book that had like joke writing exercises in it. And then when she, my counselor told me towards the end of that year, she was like, you know, there's got to be something you want to do. I said, well, I guess I've been wanting to be a comic or whatever. And 
that, that, that it was like still two or three weeks later after she said that, the morning I was just really feeling really in this hole that I wasn't going to come out of and yeah. I wanted to kind of just end it all. I called my friend up and I says, hey, remember like a couple of weeks I told you I wanted to do stand-up comedy? Can you make sure I do that tomorrow? Can you call me tomorrow and make sure I do that? So did you do like an open mic or something? Or and I just went to an open mic, the venue on I 30- guess that's that's all right, because the expectations are like, all right. Yeah. I, I had went to suck, this- people were like, all right, we'll just get their drink of coffee and they'll be on their way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to this place a couple of years ago called the venue on 35th, and I knew they do it. They did an open mic. This is back in Virginia. Um, the venue on 35th is my home. That place saved my life. Um, and I says, I remember going to this place a couple of years ago that does poetry and they'll let anybody on stage and maybe they'll let me do a couple of jokes can you make sure that tomorrow you call me and take me to this place and I went and there and I took my little it. I took my little notebook of little jokes that I had and you know I didn't know if these are even jokes I'm just gonna read some things out of this notebook and <laughs> it wasn't awful like I didn't die People laughed, and they were so... There were some chuckles. There were some good chuckles, and I had a couple of belly laughs, and, and, and people were so welcoming. The people, they were so welcoming and warm, and, and this is okay, I'll see you next week. So I was like, okay, well, I got to come back I, next now week now. And I said, you know, I can do better next week. I'll come back next week, and I'll have some better jokes. And then when I came back next week, people invited me to a comedy competition, and I just, it, it took off from there. That's and awesome. And for several months, I just kept going back to this place, and I didn't drink, and they encouraged, they encouraged my sobriety. And next thing you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. And I'm, In New York, trying to make it. And comedy is just... Not only working out, I'm not only you know. Because you came to the worst city in the world to try to do this. Because now you're the teeniest little fish in exactly. a giant, mm-hmm. a giant, a small giant pond. It's like a small pond, but it's full of a lot of fucking. Well, fish. I had a lot of success really quickly. I've only, I've only been doing comedy. I haven't even been doing comedy for a full three years. Really, I haven't even been doing comedy for a full three years. I had a lot of success really quickly back in Virginia, and um, uh, I had a second wave of my life sort of falling apart and. I realize now that it wasn't falling apart. It was just pushing, in the right pushing me you had in the right metamorphosis. direction. It was you were in your cocoon, and now yeah. you're a beautiful butterfly. A beautiful butterfly. Yeah. And that's all it's it is. Easy part. And, 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 and I have Heather now. <laughs> exactly. And I have a purpose now. And we comedy has has brought me right to Heather's doorstep. Aww. <laughs> quite, quite. Li- she'll tell you. So about how? That. Yeah. So how'd you meet then? All right. So let's let's move on to Heather. How did? How? What do you mean? Like. Oh, you want the meeting story? Yeah, sure. Was... Like, and then we'll lead into your story. Like, so story. you're okay. doing. What are you doing that led up to this point where you met her? Oh, so my background story. Yeah. So a little bit. She's in New York now. She's doing comedy. And she's got her bits going on. What are you doing at this point? You don't know she even exists, or do you? I don't know. Nah. And nah. I'm and I'm in New York. I guess at so. At this point, okay. I'm in New York. So. <laughs> 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 That's where they start starting. Okay. New York. Uh. So I came here from my MFA in fashion and knitwear design, and I was the weirdo at school. I was the one who was <laughs> trying to do something poignant and unusual and was fairly alone in this process, but was still given chances. So I left with that. <laughs> I know that sensation. I was, I was Aaron the weird back in school, so right. trust me, I understand. And I mean, I'd always wanted to be an artist, and that was always a thing for me, and coming here, at first I thought I was going to start like trying to sell things. I Right before I left, I started doing some hand embroidery stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and channeling that form of art, but still in wearable pieces. And after getting here, I realized that I still I was still doing this fashiony path, trying to connect to the industry and see where I was going. Um, but also started channeling fine art. Like when I was young, I used to draw, I used to sculpt, I used to do whatever. I had ideas for installations. I wanted to do all of that when I was young. And, and always very much in social commentary yeah. stuff. Um, my undergrad was in race, gender, and sexuality before I did the fine art. So I was very academic background. Like that's my group. Um, so getting here, it was kind of an interesting process of okay, now how do I pull all this together? I finished fashion school, which was a bizarre experience for a kid who like has a background in race, gender, and sexuality, <laughs> like cares about the world, the humans and environment and everything else. Mine's a flipper. I, I have, like, I have, I'm in fashion, but I, I have a chemistry background. So it's okay. like, I came in, yeah. So, <laughs> what the hell? I know, right? I, I, I can explain that later. <laughs> I do things like that too. Um, and I don't know, it was a process of like, I was in a, having a conversation with somebody talking about dreams and ambitions and they were just like, why don't you just try an installation? I was like, I don't know, why don't I? And like, I hadn't even told her that my dream as a teenager was to do installation work. Mm -hmm. And so I, my big thing for last year, so 2014, was um, working on an installation, I like just, Right after getting here, I was like, okay, let me apply to the Brooklyn Arts Council grant, see what the fuck happens, and I don't know. Why not, right? Like, I want to do art, and I need money, so <laughs> this is what I do. And I, through some, like, personal experiences, my proposal wound up shifting, and by the time I was actually awarded the grant money, I decided to do a big installation project, which was Sometimes It's Hard to Be a Woman, which was inspired by Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man, but dealing with domestic violence and like I'm queer by and have had heterosexual encounters as you can say <laughs> <laughs> interactions um, and kind of looking at the particular dynamics of straight couples and how we unconsciously tear each other apart in this like violent way um, in how gender roles have been constructed and so most of my last year was spent working on that and then trying to survive in New York City and figure out that which is, which is, which it's, is that's a challenge own, yeah that's and, his own challenge and Absolutely. not like and realizing that I needed to be working with my hands even in my paid gigs and yeah. so it's evolved into a lot of sample making and custom work so I can maintain that but it's a struggle Yeah. Um, but the installation was an amazing experience it showed at the beginning of November last year and I that week I a month before the show my venue pulled out from me they said they weren't going to give me the space it was going to be a donated space and there was drama around that and panic <laughs> ensued As and I would imagine, so it yeah. was just like all these challenges like I'm still trying to survive like barely being able to feed myself and make this installation and which one was thing like, happened and so it's like it's like fuck seriously yeah yeah but you know I'm scrappy and I <laughs> pulled myself together you have to be. if you ain't hustling venue. you ain't working right word <laughs> thank you <laughs> and and then like oh the week of the show I wound up getting I was one of the featured artists on Huffington Post and then I had Brooklyn Magazine contact me and was up on a couple of different other art pages and had the opening and that was like a, a really big relief and 
like yeah. a little bit of acknowledgement of from all that struggle and seeing it in the space I was able to see my own work in a way that I'd never seen it before because I was able to bring it was centered around two figures so I did do garments that were all hand embroidered and yeah. some sculptural and other pieces and I was like, okay, I can do this. I can like set up a space that carries the messages that I wanted. Like I talked with people who came and saw it and they were impacted in the ways that I kind of wanted them to be impacted. They told me new stuff. You nailed it. I told them new stuff. You're like, fuck was, this, I, I own this like, shit. I nailed this installation. It was, it was a really beautiful experience. So you celebrate it by going to a comedy club and then <laughs> no. on the stage. No. no. Watch Elsa, no. and you're like, holy shit, I so get wait. in me now. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, not even. No, nope. was I close? Yet. No? Not oh. even close. <laughs> so, that happened beginning of November, and then, you know, I'm doing my thing, whatever, trying to survive after that, and, um, like, the week of Thanksgiving, which, that was... Mm -hmm. Technically, before the Eric Garner verdict, right? Uh, it was that was, after? It was uh, Eric Garner, Mike Brown, back to back. Which was oh, yeah. both before Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. They have it right next to each other, yeah. So, um, I was paying attention By to By the way, I like to make a quick commentary. That's very, it's extraordinarily sad for human beings that you can, like, actually, like, you can replace your calendar with the events that have happened <laughs> in Black Lives Matter between. Yeah. All right, well, was that? No, no, that was definitely Sandra. No, no. Yeah. Babe, yeah. that was definitely these are, these are very sad milestones. <laughs> yeah, these are very sad, sad milestones. We just replace the calendar now and just like, you know, in a very sad. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway, that's very morbid, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so it's during so, Eric I mean, Garner. <laughs> er Eric Garnerberg's happened, and um, I had been at home sewing all day, and I finally saw it, and I just like. I left the house and mess. There was like threads everywhere, and I just like left the door and went to march. And I didn't see her then, but um, like that was my own pushing out to the streets. And Thanksgiving happened like that next week, and we were trying to do an open door Thanksgiving. Whoever needs a place, and very nice at our apartment here. And um, my roommate also posted. And earlier that week. Elsa had wound up getting arrested, very publicly arrested. One of the one of the first the, arrests of the one of the first arrests here in New York City. In, really, in behind um, the Eric Garner, Mike Brown non-indictments. Um, I was arrested, me and a former friend, in the middle of Times Square, yeah. um, and our pictures, our arrests, uh, went worldwide. Oh shit! Uh, there oh, was the, we even so named like I the, probably saw him then for sure. Then you, yeah. you probably did. Like they Gothamist, were everybody. I'm before sure. me and him got out of jail uh, that night or that morning, and we got out of jail, uh, we got locked up. Uh, we, they 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 arrested us at about eight nine o'clock in the evening, and we were getting out. Was about, it from the protest? Uh, yeah, from the yeah, protest. Okay. Uh, the protest uh, started in Grand. I'm sorry, not Union Grand. Union Square, it was, right? Started in Union Square, and then we went to try to shut down the the Lincoln Tunnel. I um, remember this. Yes, yeah, yeah. and then and then that uh, that got diverted. We went to Times Square, and then in Times Square, the uh, the call was to block the intersection. So, uh, me and a friend um, went into the intersection to block the intersection, and there was a dispersal warning to get out of the street. And I had already been with I'd been with the the march, the protest all day from about like one two o'clock in the in the afternoon and we had been 
sitting down and getting up and sitting down and getting up occupying you know intersections yeah. and every time we would occupy an intersection the riot police would come in and everyone would get up and leave because you know it was they were threatening to arrest at every intersection and I says next time we sit down I'm not going to get back up so when we sat down in Times Square I, had, I said I'm, I'm not going to get back up they're yeah. just going to have to arrest me and so I kind of made like a little assessment there's all these cameras around they're not going to arrest me you know uh you know, I'm not gonna, I can't say what's going to happen when I get to the precinct, but I know right here I have these cameras around. You feel somewhat safe. I felt a little yeah, safer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had already made that commitment to not get back up. My friend didn't get back up with me. And it was a very public arrest, and it threw off our Thanksgiving, which was <laughs> which was several days later. You know, when I get out of jail in the morning, this is all over Yahoo News, all over Google News, all of the, you know, my dad's calling me, and he's like, yo, is everything okay? You're all over, you're all over New York One. You're, you know, you're on CNN. Like, you're all over the news. Like, my inbox, my Facebook. And your friend became, like, the face of, like... Me and my the, friend... Of that for, night. Yeah, yeah, of that yeah. night. We were definitely... Me, him, and a couple other people were the face in the video of that evening. And it threw off my Thanksgiving. You know, <laughs> a couple of days later, I guess I had planned to cook. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what was the commotion of the, of the you know, the, the commotion that ensued in the following days... That, that absolutely well, was right, not hold happening. On. So, did the bird make it? Or did you guys... Did the bird go bad? I didn't even have food. Oh, I didn't have food. So, she this put a call on Facebook <laughs> saying, Help, I need a Thanksgiving. And then she got a, a response for a vegan invite. I, for the record, I would say, Help... I wasn't expecting that next sentence. I was I expecting some other help. I was like, help, I need bail. No, no, it's no. help, I need a Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> All right, so. Need somewhere to go for this holiday. Um, she got invited to a vegan one. Didn't want that. She needed meat. Yeah, so she yeah. gets invited to That's my place through, through a roommate of mine. There's a connection and this third connection vouched for Elsa. Mm -hmm. So she and her friend were going to come to our door and... For a meat Thanksgiving, where she meets the vegan. <laughs> and, like, we, they were running late, so we'd already sat down to dinner, and, you know, they, they come in, and, like, there was immediate, like, as soon as I see her in the door, I just, like, stand up a little straighter, look, what? I'm not going to say it was, like, love at first sight, but it was, it, it was, was definitely... There was, there was some serious interest peaked, and then... Sparks were a flying. And it took a while, even after that. And I kept hoping to see her at marches. And I only well, you saw, did. I saw her once, but I, came, I only saw her at one. I was that's a for modern her, like, a love five. story right there. I kept hoping to see her at marches. She she came to a march um, right after. We shouldn't be having that conversation until 2015. It's 2015, we should not be saying the phrase, I hope to see them at a protest march. Like, that should've, this shit should have been done. Uh, anyway, sorry. I well, just like oh, from from my very public arrest. Uh, you know, a lot of people were looking at me like they. A lot of people thought I was some sort of leader in in the movement, and really, oh, I had I just came out there that oh, night. Shit. Look who's here! Yeah, oh, exactly. It was, it was it was that public that people thought I was uh, a somebody. Yeah, you know, yeah. um. So I had started in the in the you weeks. I am a somebody. Uh, you are. You, you're not. I am not. You're not a somebody for sure. But but at the, at the 
the time, at the time, I had only been to one other protest, you know, and like <laughs> that was just sort of like as a gawker. And then, the, then the second time I'm coming, I'm very nationally, worldwide. Hey, picture. you know, I'm I am very much atheist, but hey, that mo- the story about Moses, he you know, he was a reluctant leader. You know, yeah. you fall into it, it shit happens, man. Shit happens. So, uh, um, in the weeks following, I was sort of propped up as a leader, and I started leading um, marches through the city. You know, yeah. as a as just sort of as a just leading people through the streets. Yeah. You know, we're going to stores police or whatever and um at one of these marches where i'm very obviously very publicly leading um i i look over and and see heather and i'm like oh we we had such a nice thanksgiving and i had wanted to message her in between you know now and then and this is now the first time i'm seeing her and i wanted to kind of even stop leading these hundreds of people (laughs) that are behind me to like talk to her for a second there's a phrase it's called and i'm not saying it's 100 applicable here it's called think of what you're dick you, know, well, you were thinking with your dick a little it's, bit it's actually a funny story because the morning after thanksgiving my roommate comes to me and she's like so i know what your macking face looks like now and i claimed i was like i'm not thinking oh with my, my dick i promise i'm not oh thinking my with my dick and then on the train ride home my roommate was like my friend my roommate was like he's like so you got the hots for her huh and i'm like not at all dude oh like gosh. we were both convinced that you know neither that's all. so funny. well so she hits me up again on on christmas now so instead of the 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 the, the third party friend connection telling me to come over yeah. heather's messaging me to come over for christmas you got now a, a, a one connect the connection on linkedin you're like now one exactly well no not even because i come dressed up because i'm like okay well you know maybe here's my chance Maybe she likes me. I'm, I, I got dressed up nice. <laughs> made a dish. Dish I couldn't eat. A dish, a dish she couldn't eat. It, it was wasn't, a meaty it wasn't, dish. It was cheese. It was. It wasn't vegan. It was clothes. But I made a dish. You made an effort to, to demonstrate too. my worth. It's an effort. <laughs> and I get there, and Heather's got a date. Oh, sort of, a sort of date. It was a date, and the the sort of date showed up halfway through anyway. <laughs> But before the date even showed up, or you even knew that the date was going to be there, like she was um, all a flutter, and like there was one moment in the with everybody around, and I catch her staring at me, and she literally just like drops to the floor in embarrassment, and like <laughs> yeah, it, it was you know. It was that bashfulness that was I mean, awesome. she had a she, she had That's a date, a but about story. halfway through the date, I could feel like maybe you're not feeling this date for real. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I kind of like tried to pick a couple of spots. I mean, I was really hella awkward about it, which is not my <laughs> which is not my thing. I'm not awkward, but I mean, I tried to be awkward super with awkward. me, I'm super and that was what so. Endearing. I have no game. In I knew, I knew form. that she was such a player. Yeah. Yeah, like there was just something I was like, yeah, she probably gets all the ladies normal, and I do. <laughs> but then she was really awkward with me. I was nervous, so but was I, there, there was some, the the player in me could sense there was an opening here. <laughs> And so when I seen my spots, I kind of tried to let her know. Your experience kicked in, you know. I tried to let her know in in, in a very awkward way that I see you and I think you're seeing me too. But it still was even a few more days because this is Christmas and I didn't even message her um, until uh, New Year's. 
New Year's Damn, Day. Wait a week. I waited That's another like week. I'm done way too fast. I, was... I waited. No, I waited another I, week. I tried because she left her dish here, and I was like, you know, we could meet up to exchange this dish. dish. I got this dish. I got this dish. <laughs> and I didn't catch that. As I cleaned it. She didn't even catch it. I didn't even catch that as the as the the comeback <laughs> hangout. I didn't. But I had a really, really bad, really oh super, God. super bad New Year's Eve date, and I was like, well. I think that one girl likes me, and I think she's my think, dish, damn it. And, I, and, 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 and I'm reflecting. I'm like, I think I kind of like her too. Maybe she would be at least down for a date. Oh my God. And we had one date, one date, and she was planning. Awesome. She was planning the second date before. I, I it was think even I was over. planning like four or five ahead. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's you know, that's fantastic. You know, I my story isn't quite as good. We were uh, like farting around, beach little players in our neighborhood, like at our work and everything. And I'm, I have zero game whatsoever. And she was a friend of a friend, so I didn't want to like go around. I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to screw my friendship. Right. And we we ultimately were like going to be just like fuck buddies when we got going. And then we just fell deeply in love. And you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't ask for a better part in the world. But I know what it's like to find the best person that's perfect for you and just like love the shit out of it and just like someone who's there for you, understands you. It's totally amazing. And and you know, in this whole world of mine where I've like, ex- like when I've come out as who I am and what I am, Megs has been nothing but amazing and that's just like the best thing in the world to know that no matter what, that it person's to- there totally for you. It changes your life. It's, I mean, co- it's confidence. Like, like, like you yeah. rock, you know, in both sides, you know, yeah. you're there for each other. It's an amazing yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever knew what that would have, what something like that would be yeah. like. Like, you know, I kind of always expected I'd be alone most of my life, you know, just lone wolf sort of thing. It's cool. Right, it's not like... Yeah sad but then to find that person who is there and it's fantastic supportive and fuck yeah you know I think it's even completely radical I think it's even I think not maybe even more important but I think we I think me and Heather are even more aware of it because we are uh, in such competitive fields yeah you know or or you know we're what's funny is subjective what's artistic is subjective and our work relies 100% upon critique I know the audience <laughs> the audience yeah, yes, the audience you know? that stupid ass and, audience and that can be them. very can we just get rid of the audience already and just like be artists and make a lot of money right you know and, and, I, and I think it's like because we're in uh, professions or crafts or whatever that means that we're up for critique those highs and lows are more pronounced than if you're the middle manager yeah, at something yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, where today is going to be like tomorrow is going to be like next year, where it's like every day there's a new development, a new accomplishment, a new failure, a new struggle, a new triumph, or whatever. And so, because there's such dramatic ups and downs, it's more, it's even more important to have that stable, steady cheerleader, partner, backup. And I think because of those different careers like seeing each other's highs and lows and how we navigate them like just strengthens that love like it's a, it's amazing to see your partner both succeed and navigate failure like 
And I think it it's counter to say, it's, the, say it's like, important. I actually really enjoy watching you fail, but not because of like no, no, no. bad it's ways, but it's growth. like it's how you yeah. change I see how and you carry grow that, from and that. Like how you grow from that, it, and that's a, a beautiful thing. You gotta check the ego at the door and be there for each other. Like Megs and I are, we're both in fashion, but we have different jobs with similar jobs. So whenever we we each succeed and we kind of get like one up on each other a little bit, and we kind of work off each other and we kind of support each other. And you know, it's not about the ego. You come in, check the ego at the door, and just be there for each other and support each other, and then. Also, be that out. So if something is bad, and, and you know, hey, this is just not me, and this is not working. I need to, I need to stop this. And it's like, all right, I, I'll take you know, I'll, the other person takes on a little bit of a burden, so you can take care of some business, and vice versa, and just be there with each other, communicate, and just grow together. I've, I've, Have your own lives, but grow grow those lives together, and yeah. that's the key. Lately, lately, my mantra for me, lots of talking, lots of talking. <laughs> lots of talking. Lately, <laughs> lately, my mantra been for, has been for me that I'm. I'm always a winner, not just because I'm I'm going to feel positive about myself and regardless, awesome and awesome, but because but yeah. I, I have someone else who, no matter what, believes I'm a winner. Yeah. So no matter what, no matter what my my fans say, no ma- matter what bookers, promoters say, no matter what, no matter what my family says, whoever says, there's always going to be one person that, no matter how hard I fail, she still thinks absolutely I'm a winner. So I'm always a winner. Absolutely, fuck yeah. You know, so and, and and the same thing goes for her. I always think Heather's a winner, whether she, whether the mistake that happened, whether the bad thing that happened is one hundred percent her fault. Absolutely, <laughs> fuck yeah, like whether, without a doubt. Whatever, even if I, I did something that is all up. me and I fucked that up and nobody Actually, else fucked that up. Max and I are not perfect human beings by any stretch of means, but we are one hundred percent there for each other. So if we fuck up for whatever reason, you know, it's, it, you know, our, our, we tell each other what's the worst case scenario. And we're going to be okay, no matter what. We've all beat senior downs. I've been homeless. I've been poor. I've been in debt. I've been. I've lived. It's been shitty. Right. You know. But I know that no you matter what. You're always going to be there. I have her, and yeah. it's like it's going to be all right. <laughs> we might live in a shitty place and have like no money and, and like. And that's a comfort by. and a safety net that just there's not many other things yeah. that. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. There's not many other things that that have that. Make it work. I'll. You know. We will make it work no matter what. Oh, that's that's me. That's like the best note in the world to end on, right there. Yay! That was. <laughs>in the intro i wanted to do a rant uh i wanted to do follow up and see who won the watercolors i put up a post on super photo saying hey who wants who wants a free watercolor just reblog this post if you want one and i will send it to you so um pretty straightforward really so let's see we have how many reblogs do we get for that we had a bunch of likes and everything but let's see we had one two three four five I think as we had 53 notes, 24 reblogs. No, you know, it's not as big as some of my photos, but you know, hey, 24 reblogs, right? That's what I said. Okay, so what we're gonna we'll keep this simple. I'm, I went to a random number generator um, where I would put in between. It, it, it basically you put in your your range, which is one to 24, and you hit generate, and it tells us it gives me a random number, and we'll see who uh, 
Well, then we'll do is we'll go back and count the reblogs, and like if it's number ten, then we'll go down and count the tenth reblog that's on the on the notes, and that person wins a watercolor. Pretty straightforward, right? So how about we give this a go? All right, put one in for here. What is this? Random.org? Yeah, random.org is what I'm doing. Okay, uh, minimum one, maximum 24, and generate. All right, it said seven. So let's go back to the post. Who is the seventh reblog? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It went to self succubus. Self succubus. That's self hyphen succubus. Um, dot tumblr dot com. Um, who is apparently on their Tumblr, uh, the Pink Witch. So it went to the Pink Witch. So what we're going to do is I will send a message to you, Pink, uh, to self-succubus and get your information and send you a watercolor. Hooray! <sighs> All right, cool. That's it, really. So I guess um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk to Heather and Elsa. Um, congratulations, uh, Self Succubus. Looks like their Tumblr um, website is called iGames. So uh, uh, and the Pink Witch. So uh, congratulations, iGames slash Pink Witch slash Self Succubus. Um, <laughs> and uh, listen close. Listen again. I'll probably do another giveaway soon because it's really fun. Anyways, cheers and thanks for listening. Goodbye. Are we recording? I mean, not worry about the t-shirt or anything. We'll deal with the wind. I want to hear the story about your conversation with the men's right activist. I think the wind's behind me, so I'll block it with the beer. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, he's... What it is is uh, we were... Uh, as bar shows go, we were put together on a show, and he, he bills himself as a shock comic, a shock jock... Or, or whatever the case may be, but it, it's really just kind of hateful and racist, and you know he's you know because he's Hispanic or whatever, you know a lot of a lot of minorities will kind of like you know hide their racism behind the fact that they are a minority. So how can I be racist? But you know that's just also internalized white supremacy, internalized racism, or whatever. But you know he has got a lot of you know fucked up opinions, but we you know became. Facebook friends because we've done some Wait, shows this isn't together. Wait, Carlos Men, Men, What's his name? Men very Nelson? similar to him. He's 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 very similar. In in that happened and in, went away really fast. He's very fast. similar in stature and in in looks and style or whatever. Uh, but um, you know he 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 just kind of went one step too far on his Facebook, and I just didn't feel like being friends with him anymore, and I just unfriended him. And he contacts me later on about because he has a tracker on his Facebook and Twitter that tracks when people unfriend and unfollow oh, him. Okay, okay. And what he likes to do is, and he's notified when that happens, what he likes to do is follow up with people as to what happened. And um, because I like to talk or whatever, you know... Are you writing me? I ain't followed your ass. He, you know, he, he sends me this message and he was like, you know, I respect you for this, that, and that, and the third, and we have different politics and I would like to understand why you, you know, unfriended me oh, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, I'm not you know hurt by it. I'm not you know whatever, whatever, whatever. And you know, I just and I try to tell them it's like you know at least I just think you know I, we have different politics, and it's just you know I, I think some of the things you're saying are a little out of line. But you know, you do you, I do me, whatevs. Um, but our, our our conversation progressed, and I just decided to have a uh, coffee.
with him. You know, so we, so I guess he could, because I, because I felt like That's he, I, I, yeah. I felt like he, in my heart, I felt like he had something to say. So I wanted to hear what he had to say. So I get with him, and he starts telling me he's a he's an MRA, he's a men's rights activist, Ugh. or whatever. And Which you know, so, is that really? Anyway, it is a thing. And, and he's saying some very repugnant. He's saying some very repugnant things. Yeah. He's saying some very repugnant things, but in behind and in between the things that he's saying, I'm hearing that he's a very hurt person. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, male I'm, ego is a very fragile, fragile, if, fragile, you know, fragile thing. You know, he's he's upset about you know body image things. He's upset about things that you know uh, women have have done to him. Probably have penis issues. I, I don't there. know. There's a lot going on. Probably, <laughs> I don't know. Probably, I don't know. But but at, at, you know, at one point he he had said something about you know male rape victims, and you know. I, yeah. I, I told him, uh, he says something about male rape victims and accusations of rape. And he something about, he had a bit about um, a rape accusation that had been pinned on him that had later been dropped or wasn't true or whatever, whatever. And then he had a joke about it. <laughs> well, this is going really bad. No, no, but, but he had a, he had like a, a trigger warning going everywhere. <laughs> exa- well, he had a joke about it. That, so he was accused of rape, but he had a joke about it. Okay. But he right. had a joke about this it that didn't, good. but that didn't land well and I told him it wasn't he says it wasn't a good joke or he's tried it a couple of times people didn't respond to it or responded negative to, negatively oh to Lord. it and I, and I tried to tell him I says well you know I get what you're saying you know it's not like that does not happen to to men sure. it's not like that doesn't Absolutely. happen to men men are often Frequently, just as much underreported, whatever the statistic Absolutely. is that you want to pull. I'm not sure. denying that it doesn't happen. You know, I'm sorry if it happened to you. I don't know if it did or if it didn't, but you know, if that's not that, that's not untrue. Right. You know, uh, it's not untrue that women will exaggerate or make false claims. You know, saying people lie all the time. Absolutely. But I says, what you're saying is not something that has not happened to other men in your position who may be innocent of whatever crime they committed or may be victims, whatever that might have happened to them. So what you're saying needs to be said. That's not a joke that needs to be silenced. If you have a joke or an experience or a story to tell about that, then you do that. Yeah, they are, right? But if you're doing it in a way that people aren't responding to, then that's not the audience's fault. <laughs> that's your fault that you're not finding a creative way, a relative way, a funny way to spin this story. Because there's so many men who have experienced that, and it becomes distorted. And I have seen that yeah, sure. time and time Absolutely. again. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. And so I'm, I'm trying to tell him, I says, if this is something that has happened to you or you have a story about it and you feel that audiences aren't responding, it's not that because you can't talk about it. It's how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. Well, not even a shitty job. You're not putting enough thought about it. Mm-hmm. You, you have to put, because what did I say? Rape is a, ch- a pile of shit. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? It, right. it doesn't matter who it happens to or where it comes from. If you're a male victim who was raped by a woman, if you're a male victim who was raped by another male, if you were a female, whatever the case may be, there's no way you spin that where that is a good thing. 
it's a pile of shit but it's how are you serving this up i don't want to be told about it in a way that hurts me because it's already a hurtful subject i want to hear about it in a way that ah i feel ah your pain oh you know about this oh that doesn't sting so bad oh we can laugh about it because that's what humor is right laughter heals Right, so that's medicine. According to the Reader's Digest, which I read as a child, which was a little small magazine, laughter is best medicine. medicine. <laughs> that's my favorite section of the Reader's Digest. But kid. you can overdose on good medicine, right? Or you can have not enough. Or you can about, have the wrong medicine. Laugh yourself death, I suppose. You can do all but sorts I mean, of things. It's the balance of both, like not denying the bad things in life by only focusing on comedy, but not overly focusing on exactly. all the shitty things without having the humor. You gotta have the balance. Because otherwise, life is either like a joke or life is like fucking heavy as shit, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, we only get one. You know, we spend our most people spend five seconds of their life waiting for the two seconds to occur, and you know, then the rest of the time they're just like watching TV, watching football, whatever. It's like you, you, get, you only get one go. So just like you gotta have a balance. I mean, I have make it meaningful, but also like enjoy it. I've know? been asked the question recently, often. It's like you know, um, police brutality. Black Lives Matter, race politics, gender politics, queer politics are such serious issues. How do you make fun of, how do you have jokes on such serious issues? And it's like, well, you know, we have to admit that some of this is really kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's ridiculous that's happening? So, like, some of this is really crazy. Just the fact that it exists I mean, is its own level of absurdity. Of absurdity. Yes, yeah, exactly. it I mean, shouldn't even... be this way. It should be done a million years ago. And I mean, I might not deal with topics as, like, comedically as Elsa does, but even in, like, the serious way I tackle these topics, I find immense humor in it because it is absurd that these things it continue really to exist. You know, I have, like, I have this optimistic dream of, like, a Star Trek universe where we're all, like, food is not an issue. We just, like, explore the world, explore the universe, and just, like... Because we have enough food on well, we, we should be working toward that goal. Why aren't we there yet? <laughs> it's 2015. I mean, but... Can you imagine someone from... Ask some kid from 1960. What's life going to be like in the 2000s? Yeah. <laughs> right. But they've been like, well, we'd still be struggling with the same shit. We'd beaten up a lot of black people. Uh, people would really have a hard time living their lives, and they would be... be starving. You know, the rich would be really rich, they'd probably be very poor. And everything's it's really hard to eat for a lot of people. And moving down the train. It would really, it's going to suck, basically. It's really, it's really tough for a lot of people. But, but you're if you're rich, suck, it's yeah. amazing. But you have to... It's amazing. amazing. No, but you have so to laugh amazing. at it. That's that... I mean, it's really fundamental. The comedy and the tragedy go yeah, together. Go because go it's like, it's just certain things are just <laughs> so damn sad. And certain it's things are so just sad. so <laughs> damn hilarious. And those things are sometimes the same, same <laughs> fucking thing. Oh, <laughs> How is brilliant. this happening? I don't even know. I, that was brilliant. I love it.